morning, I am Dr. Grant Colfax, Director of Health. As of this morning, there are 6,989 San Franciscans who have been diagnosed with COVID-19. And sadly, 61 of them have died. It took us 38 days to go from 2,000 to 3,000 cases. It took half as long to go from 3,000 to 4,000. And in just 10 days in July, we went from 5,000 to 6,000 cases of COVID-19. And now, as August begins, we are about to cross the 7,000 mark. We are currently caring for 92 San Franciscans with COVID-19 in local hospitals. That is a slight drop from last week, but remember that at one point in June, we had just one quarter, quarter as many patients. Our recent surge in cases is keeping our case investigators and contact tracers very busy. Our goal is to reach 90% of people who test positive and 90% of their close contacts. Right now, we are reaching more like between 70 and 80%. We continue to exceed our testing goals and to lead the state and the nation in testing. We are among the highest, we have among the highest rate of testing of jurisdictions across the country. And in this next phase, we will be even more targeted in our testing, even as we expand our testing options. We continue to follow the data and to identify communities where testing can have the greatest impact. We are finding about 90 new cases of COVID-19 every day. That number has started to drop a bit from its high point two weeks ago, but it is still very concerning. This is one of our key health indicators and anything above 50 cases a, new, a day continues to put us in the red zone on high alert and we have now been there for about the last six weeks. So even as we see some of our numbers, just some of our numbers improving slightly, we must stay vigilant. We will continue to pause our reopening. That is one likely reason for the slight slowdown in cases. And we see many, many San Franciscans covering their faces. Recent research indicates that if 80%, 80% of a population is regularly and properly using face coverings, we can prevent outbreaks of COVID-19. So I wanna thank everyone for doing their part to reach that critical mass. You are truly saving lives simply by wearing a face mask. And we also know that some people are not covering their faces consistently. We see some people trying, but maybe they don't know that their nose and mouth need to be covered. Maybe they don't know that face recoverings are required in San Francisco for everyone ages 10 and up and whenever someone is within six feet of other people. And for some people, maybe it's just not a habit yet. I remember to take my face mask with me, just like I remember to take my wallet or keys. Remember your mask when you leave the house. That is a habit that we need to have with us for a long time. My mask protects you. 
Your mask protects me. This is something we can do and must do for each other. Now, from the beginning of this pandemic, San Francisco has made vulnerable populations one of our top priorities in the emergency response. At the health department, we consider people who are vulnerable to severe illness if they get COVID-19, as well as people who are more likely to acquire it, often because of their work or living situation. You probably know that people over the age of 60 and people with certain health conditions are more vulnerable to serious illness or even death if they contact the virus. We also continue to prioritize communities experiencing health and socioeconomic inequities, systemic racism, and marginalization. This includes the Latinx community who account for nearly half of all cases in our city and Black African-Americans who are at higher risk of dying from COVID-19. Additionally, we have been working to support people with disabilities, people experiencing homelessness, and immigrants who are undocumented. We support these populations through our work with other city agencies at the COVID Command Center, including human, the Human Services Agency and the Department of Homelessness and Supportive Housing. The Department of Public Health has funded a variety of efforts to improve food security during the pandemic. DPH partner, partners in Bayview Hunters Point, for example, and we have been working to provide fresh fruit and vegetables from the wholesale produce market to community organizations. We offer food assistance to anyone who needs to isolate or quarantine because of COVID-19. And it takes a broader effort to address this need. Today, I am pleased to turn it over to one of the city's leaders in addressing food insecurity and expanding food access in the pandemic. At the Department of Disability and Aging Services, Executive Director Shireen McSpadden has been overseeing some remarkable efforts to serve vulnerable San Franciscans throughout this COVID-19 crisis. Director McSpadden, over to you. Thank you so much, Director Colfax. Good morning and thank you so much for the opportunity to discuss San Francisco's response to food insecurity during the COVID-19 pandemic. We know that food insecurity is an ongoing issue in San Francisco, and prior to the pandemic, one in four residents was at risk of hunger due to low income or lack of physical access to food. With the increased number of residents out of work, the number of people struggling to afford enough nutritious food is also increasing. The city's food partners have already reported a surge in demand for food. To address this growing need, Mayor Breed and the city have worked not only to expand the capacity of existing providers, but to stand up new food programs to provide for a larger food insecure population. And that includes providing more food options for, um, for San Francisco's African-American and Latinx populations that are hit very hard by COVID-19. We are fortunate to have a robust and diverse network of food supports across the city. Collectively, these programs provide the equivalent of over 1 million meals per week. Help is available to all San Franciscans in need of food assistance due to COVID-19. If you or anyone you know is experiencing hunger or needs help finding food pantries or food assistance programs, 
please call nine, please call 311. No one should go hungry in our city and operators can help connect San Franciscans with food assistance or specialized support programs, such as those for seniors. 311 is available 24 hours a day, seven days a week in multiple languages. In addition, Mayor Breed has proposed $45.7 million in new expenditures in her new budget to further bolster food security programs. The proposed budget provides for continued support for food access through local food banks, food programs for seniors, meals for unsheltered people, and meal delivery for households needing to isolate and or quarantine. Community providers, including the San Francisco Marine Food Bank, the Department of Disability and Aging Services Network of Providers, neighborhood and other community organizations are at the heart of this effort. And I'd just like today to highlight a couple of the city's available food programs. The first is CalFresh. If you are recently unemployed or out of work, we encourage you to apply for CalFresh, a program that can help you boost your budget during a tough time. Since the declared health emergency in San Francisco, we have received more than 25,000 CalFresh applications. Nearly 60,000 San Francisco residents use CalFresh to make sure healthy food is on the table, no matter what. In response to COVID-19, the Federal CARES Act provided California residents who were receiving unemployment benefits an additional $600 a week through the end of July. If your CalFresh benefits were discontinued or your application to receive CalFresh benefits was denied to, due to the extra 600 in unemployment, we encourage you to reapply as soon as the CARES Act benefits expire. Plus, CalFresh is more than food benefits. Program participants can also receive access to additional benefits like free diapers, discounted utilities, and help finding employment. Please call 311 to apply for this program. The second program I wanna mention is Great Plates Delivered. Great Plates Delivered San Francisco assists seniors with food resources Oh, sorry, assisting seniors with food resources is essential to helping them to shelter in place and remain safe through this pandemic. In addition, we know that many older adults in formal support networks from friends and family have been impacted because of COVID-19, and they may need additional food support during this time. Launched in May and now running through September 9th, Great Plates Delivered SF is a temporary food program that serves older adults who are at heightened risk due to COVID-19 and who are unable to prepare food on their own. The San Francisco Department of Disability and Aging Services administers the program. For older adults who need help obtaining and preparing food to meet the eligibility criteria, Great Plates Delivered San Francisco can provide up to three meals, three free meals a day delivered directly to their home. Generally, breakfast, lunch, and dinner are provided. Deliveries occur Monday, Wednesday, and Fridays. However, some clients get deliveries every day if they don't have a way of storing food, such as no refrigerator. Dietary restrictions are accommodated, such as vegetarian, low-sodium, so pork-free, et cetera. Meals are provided and prepared by local food providers and restaurants and are culturally appropriate. Safe, secure deliveries are made by verified drivers. To date, the great its delivered program has served more than 2,500 seniors and delivered over 350,000 meals. If you or someone you know would like to apply for this program, please call 311 for more information. So I highlighted those two, but I'd like to reiterate that San Francisco has other programs that address food security. 
If you or anyone you know is experiencing hunger, please call 311 to get information. Lastly, I'd like to thank Mayor Breed for her leadership in helping to ensure that the city is doing everything it can to address San Francisco's food security issues during the pandemic. I would also like to thank the vast network of food providers, volunteers, neighborhood associations, restaurants, schools, and community organizations that have stepped up to help purchase and cook food, help with distribution and packing, and help with delivery. These partnerships are critical for us to ensure that no San Franciscan goes hungry. So now I'd like to hand off the mic to Meg Schiffler, who's the Gallery's Director and Arts Recovery Coordinator for the San Francisco Arts Commission. Good morning, esteemed colleagues and members of the press. Uh, my name is Meg Schiffler. I'm the Gallery's Director for the San Francisco Arts Commission, and I'm also serving as the city's Arts Recovery Coordinator. I'm happy to have this opportunity to share with everyone this morning one project the San Francisco Arts Commission has been doing over the last several months to deploy an art strategy and support local artists to assist with the city's response and recovery effort. Over the last several days, a series of large-scale posters have been installed in 40 deco kiosks along Market Street between the Castro and the Embarcadero and hundreds of smaller reproductions are being distributed to hospitals and quarantine sites throughout the city. The poster series is called Heroes, San Francisco Thanks Frontline Healthcare Workers. This COVID-19 poster project features newly commissioned artwork by 10 incredible Bay Area artists whose work serves to remind local residents that every day, remarkable people in our community are caring for those that are sick with the coronavirus. These posters are a love letter from the arts community to healthcare workers, our heroes in the fight against the pandemic. This series helps support and engage artists and the arts community in the city's recovery efforts by placing beautiful imagery into public spaces that focuses on healing, while also reinforcing critical public health messages that will ultimately help stem the spread of the virus. The commissioned artists represent a diverse group of local creative professionals from different backgrounds, working in different styles and disciplines. The artists are Nicole Dixon, Esther Elia, Kristen Farr, Juan Fuentes, Cliff Hengst, Terry Lowenthal, Tucker Nichols, Kelly Tunstall, Jennifer Wofford, and Chelsea Ryoko Wong. The Deco kiosk posters along Market Street are approximately 12 feet high facing the sidewalks so that pedestrians may experience these um, temporary public works while reflecting on those who have put themselves in harm's way to help all of us. The healthcare workers being honored by these beautiful images are not only the physicians and nurses, but also the administrators, custodians, food workers, and everyone who is part of the healthcare ecology in support of the city's COVID patients. As for the smaller reproductions of these 10 posters, they are being distributed to San Francisco hospitals and quarantine sites and posted in various communal spaces for workers to enjoy. The posters offer an opportunity for these essential workers to pause, reflect on imagery, to lift their spirits, and restore themselves for a moment through the healing power of art. The posters are a visual reminder that the city thanks them for the critical services they're providing to the most vulnerable and for the personal sacrifices they're making on behalf of all San Franciscans. 
And there are enough posters being distributed to the hospitals and quarantine sites so the workers can take them home as tokens of gratitude. These beautiful and powerful images remind everyone who the heroes are on the front lines of this crisis. And the images you see in the presentation we're about to launch um, are the kind that will trigger us to pull up our masks and socially distance, to honor the individuals who are working on behalf of, on behalf of us to keep us safe. It's an example of how the arts are a catalyst in our city's recovery process. I'd like to give you some insight into all 10 of the poster, the poster images, but I'll just choose two or three to highlight and name each artist in the presentation as you see the 10 images. Um, Lynn, can we launch the presentation? Thank you. This first image is by San Francisco resident Cliff Hengst. This next image is by Nicole Dixon. This image is by Esther Elia. Here we have Kristen Farr. This photograph is by Terry Lowenthal. This image is by Jennifer Wofford. And the text on the, on the phone um, is encouraging text in Tagalog, Chinese, Spanish, and English. This image is by Chelsea Wong. Chelsea is a San Francisco resident and her work all of her work is about um, reminding people to stay positive and open-minded. She was a perfect artist to bring into this particular project and we're very happy to have this uplifting images as, as part of the collection. Next. This is Kelly Tunstall. This image is by um, Juan R. Fuentes. Juan is an iconic artist here in San Francisco. Um, a mentor, a teacher, an educator, an activist, um, one of the founders of Mission Grafica, and there's a gallery in the mission named after him. We're honored to have a piece of his that was commissioned for this project. This is an image by Tucker Nichols. Tucker has an ongoing project right now called Flowers for Sick People. Um, as part of his individual studio practice, he is making um, original paintings and sending them to COVID patients in hospitals. This is something anyone can ask him to do. He's turned over his entire practice to be able to deliver messages of love and hope. And again, we're honored to have him be part of this project. And he specifically identified hospital custodians for his image. Next. Is that the end? Well, we're there. These are the 10 images that will be shared um, throughout San Francisco on kiosks and to our um, hospitals and quarantine sites. The Arts Commission, at the Arts Commission, we believe the arts are essential for a healthy society, for well-being, and to chronicle and celebrate the world around us. Thank you very much, and I'm happy to answer questions at this time. Thank you, Meg Schiffler, and thank you, Director McSpadden and Director Colfax for your time today. We will now open it up to the Q&A portion of the press 
conference. And I believe for now, we only have a couple questions for Dr. Colfax. Dr. Colfax, whenever you're ready. The first question is from Christian Captain with KTVU. In consideration of improved health indicators, are we likely to continue with the pause of reopening the city? The last time we expanded options, San Francisco saw an increase in positive cases. Yes, so um, we continue to be on the state watch list and we will continue to follow the data closely to determine if and when uh, reopenings uh, would, would begin again. I can't speculate on a, a date at this point. We're gonna need to follow the data and make an evidence-based decision. Thank you, doctor. Also from Christian, does the city have any idea if and or when schools will resume in-person learning? So the state just issued its guidance for local health officers on how to evaluate elementary schools um, applying for open in-person instruction. Uh, so we are evaluating that guidance uh, right now. And uh, we wanna make sure that any application that we receive um, will uh, adhere to those guidelines. It's very important, however, that right now, uh, no schools uh, can reopen uh, for in-person learning until we amend the stay at home order to allow that. Um, and I, again, I can't speculate on a date uh, if and when that would happen. Thank you, doctor. From Dan Kerman with Cron4 News. What is the reproductive rate of the virus in the city and how has that changed over the last month? So we saw an increase in the reproductive rate of the virus. Um, uh, our, uh, the researchers that we've been working with estimated on average that it uh, got up as high as about 1.34, uh, which doesn't sound like a huge number, but as you heard when we last did a press conference, it could result in some very serious uh, challenges with regard to our hospital system and increased COVID-19 deaths. With the slight decline in hospitalization numbers, that reproductive rate appears to be going down a bit, um, but it is still not below one. And remember, uh, in order for us to uh, crush the curve, uh, we need that reproductive rate uh, to be below one. In uh, April and May, thanks to the efforts of San Franciscans, we got it to about 0.85, we estimate. So we, again, are aiming for that reproductive number to uh, be below one. Uh, right now, it's not below one. Um, it seems to be going down very slightly from where it was uh, last week. Thank you. Also from Dan, do you believe that community gatherings are the main cause of spreading the virus throughout the city? Well, certainly, as we have seen, um, gatherings can certainly transmit the virus, uh, which is why we are emphasizing that people need to wear face masks, socially distance, um, if they if they do gather um, for for essential reasons, uh, it's best for that gathering to be outside. Uh, so certainly, gatherings may be contributing and are likely contributing to the increases in cases. I don't know that we can say that it's it's a main cause, but it's almost certainly a, a cause, and people should uh, only gather if absolutely necessary and take uh, the precautions that I just described. Thank you, Doctor. Um, with that, that concludes today's press conference. Thank you to you and our speakers for joining us today.
um, for questions that we may be taking offline or for any follow-up questions, please email dempress at sfgov.org. Thank you all. Take care. SFGovTV, San Francisco Government Television. You're watching Coping with COVID-19 with Chris Manners. Today's special guest is Michelle Jeffers. Hi, I'm Chris Manners and you're watching Coping with COVID-19. Today my guest is Michelle Jeffers. She's the Chief of Programs and Partnerships at the San Francisco Public Library. And she's here today to talk to us about some exciting new developments at the SFPL and how the library has been managing during this pandemic. Ms. Jeffers, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, Chris. Nice to meet you. Likewise, let's just jump right in and talk about the exciting new program the library's just rolled out, the curbside pickup service called SFPL to go. Can you tell us about it, how it works, and how you could still use the service if you don't have internet access? Sure, Chris. Um, so it's a three-step process. It's going to be pretty familiar to most people who've used the library, on, library online before in that you would request an item like you would normally do. You would go into your library account and you would say, I want to read... Becoming by Michelle Obama, okay? And so then you would click request this item. Now the one trick to it this time is that you need to request an item that shows that it's available right now at either the main or the Excelsior branch, because those are the only two that we're circulating between. Once we get uh, four more branches open in September, then you can pick from all of those and we're circulating and as we keep going bigger and bigger, you can, we'll eventually get to everybody. But you pick a book, a DVD, a music CD, a magazine, whatever you want to check out, you request it. Um, if you don't have internet, you don't have an online library, you know, you don't use the online library account, you can call us on the phone and you can request it that way. You could say, I want to check out this book, or you can even ask for a recommendation that way too, and they'll do their best to help you with something. I like mysteries, like Scandinavian mysteries, and they'll try to help you with something. Um, so again, we're only fulfilling requests from the two libraries right now. Um, you request it, 
we go and pull it, we find it, we transfer it between the libraries, we pull it off the shelves. We'll call you, we'll send you a piece of mail, or we'll email you to tell you it's ready for you to pick up. And then you'll come, you'll line up outside the libraries. We have little dots around the, on the ground to mark where you're lining up. You'll come up to the desk, you'll tell us your name, maybe an extra identifier is the last four digits of your library card number. We'll go get the item for you. It will already be checked out for you. It'll be in a bag for you. You just take the bag and go on your way. How do you go about returning items? So now you can return items too, which has been very popular this week since we started this, this service. A lot of people have been holding on to their library items since, well, since March. Um, so we, you can uh, return your items at, at the main, for example, we have a separate, uh, it's sort of three doors and we have a separate door that is the return door where you, you put it into a bin there. We don't touch the items for 96 hours. We decon that's the quarantine period for the items. So we will wait four days, then we will touch them and check them back into you. But as you know, or you may not, San Francisco Public Library did away with overdue fines last year. So no problem there. There won't be any fines on anything that you've returned, no matter how late it is. That's fantastic. Um, you mentioned that you can call in, and that actually leads right into my next question, which is about how the library has been very focused on addressing the digital divide. Can residents still access the library's Wi-Fi? And uh, what's Zoom Tech Tuesday and the telephone information program? Sure. Um, so, yes, our Wi-Fi is still on at all of our 27 neighborhood branches and at the main library. So I do, I have noticed when I've gone around to libraries that I often see people sitting outside there using the free Wi-Fi or, you know, the perimeter around the buildings. Um, we also have telephone information service. So separate from requesting a book, you can also call us to ask reference questions. And we're there to answer a lot of questions. I actually ask them for some, some examples of some of the questions they get, because there's, you know, there's a lot and they're trying to really help everybody and be a, a friendly voice on the phone for everybody who calls. So I thought some of the really funny ones were, um, Someone's asked, is it shorter to raft from San Francisco to Alcatraz or from San Francisco to Treasure Island? And then after they asked that, they said, what's the phone number for the Coast Guard? Because I think they should come with me. <laughs> <laughs> and then, or, or another favorite was, can you look up my, they didn't have internet, so they said, can you look me up on Google Earth and see if it looks like I'm growing weed at my house? <laughs> <laughs> So those are the kinds of things we help with, but also the normal things like, when is this book due? Is, is this coming out? You know, when, when are you going to, many of them were about, when are you going to open for curbside service? But we're there for them. And we've been there answering those phones since March. So trying to provide some connection to the outside world. Um, and then we're doing a lot of um, technology programs. We're doing a lot of programs on Zoom, just like you. Um, and we're trying to help people both use library resources because many people had to shift to using ebooks that had never checked out an ebook or a, a movie through the library system or through or downloaded some of our music through the library system. So we've been trying to show them a lot of those tools as well as show them other tools that they might need just for their life, just walking them through. Like we've shown people on Zoom how to use Zoom, how to you know join a join a conversation in a chat group on Zoom. So. That's been really, those have been really popular as people have really taken 